Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. that is born of the Spirit. Parents and possibly grandparents can identify with this, but if you have children or uh, perhaps grandchildren, uh, you've been there trying to persuade, conjole, convince, by whatever means, an energetic toddler when it's time to go to bed to actually go to sleep. And maybe you've used different lullabies and poems or songs or nursery rhymes. And I was thinking about one of them this week. And that is, and you've probably sang it to your children or grandchildren, rock a baby in the treetop. If the cradle shall fall, or how does it go? It says, Rock a bye, baby, in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. And uh, if they knew this next part or this next stanza, uh, they probably would never go to sleep. It says, When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall, and down will come, baby, cradle and all. Well, I've scratched my head and wondered about that a few times. Who is it that is writing these songs? And why is it that we in turn sing them to our children? There's a lot of legends of where this particular nursery rhyme came from. Some say, and again, there's many different stories of where it came from. Some say it came from King James II of England when he was converted to Catholicism. And uh, when he was to have a baby boy that would soon be the prince of England... Uh, the song was written as a death threat to that prince. I don't know if that is the case, but uh, that song has at least one redeeming quality because it says, when the wind blows. When the wind blows. It's not a matter of if. It's not, it's not a matter of whether or not. It's not a matter of providing that or presuming it does. But it is when the wind blows. This is the essence of what Jesus is saying in our text. The wind is going to blow. He's already telling you that that's a fact. He says the wind bloweth where it listeth. You can't stop it. You can't keep it from blowing. You can't keep it from happening. However, the question is, is where is the wind going to blow? Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. The wind is destined to blow, but the question remains, where does it blow? And if the wind is going to blow, I want it to blow upon us. Amen. I want it to blow upon this church. I want it to blow upon our families. I want the wind to blow upon our homes, upon this city, 
upon this region. I want it to blow across this nation. I want to see it encompass this world. Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews, also a member, the Bible indicates to us, of the Sanhedrin, and he was a Pharisee. Now, you've got to understand what type of people these Pharisees, what kind of sect that they were. These were people that were very pious. They were very religious, and they had a system that they were very comfortable with, and they didn't want anybody disturbing. And so these were a group of people that had been trying and endeavoring for some time to catch Jesus in his words. And in this particular text, Nicodemus, a part of that sect, a part of that group of people, he comes to where Jesus is and he asks him really a question that was one that the Pharisees had asked him at different points and times before. When Jesus was in the marketplace or when Jesus was walking through the villages or the cities and he came in contact with these Pharisees, they would ask him a question, trying to entrap him in his words. They would ask him, really, who are you? Because they knew that he claimed to be the Messiah. They knew that he claimed to be God manifest in the flesh. But they wanted him to clearly articulate this. And in so doing, they could bring accusation against him and bring him before their Sanhedrin court. And uh, they could pass judgment upon him. And so their desire was to destroy him. Their desire was is to silence his voice. So this man, Nicodemus, whatever his motives were, uh, I cannot be for sure. But he comes to Jesus by night. He doesn't want to be seen by other groups of people because he's going to couch this question in a little bit different way than other Pharisees, his peers, have asked the Lord in times past. And he comes to him and he says, Lord, we know that thou art a teacher sent from God. He actually uses this very respectful title. He calls him a rabbi. He says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man could do these miracles except God be with him. What he didn't fully understand at that moment was he was first of all more than a rabbi. Amen. Though he filled that office of being a religious teacher, he was a teacher, one that would expound to them things that they had never learned or never known before. He would reveal things that they had never seen before. He was more than just a rabbi. And he was more than just a teacher sin or come from God, but he was God manifest in the flesh. He was God that had robed himself in humanity and came to this world for the express purpose of revealing to them a way of salvation. To bring them up out of the law into a more perfect relationship with him. Amen. That he 
in fact, was the one that would come and shed his blood so that they all could be forgiven and cleansed from their sin. So, you know, it sounds pretty good, but when you understand that Nicodemus is simply using a new tactic to really an old war that's been going on between Jesus and these Pharisees, this group that Nicodemus is a part of, he's trying, he's trying to, uh, ask it in a little bit different way. And so that that group of people could be satisfied in the way that Jesus would answer. And the question is asked, who are you or what is it that you came to this world to do? But notice how Nicodemus asked the question. He said, you are a teacher. You're a teacher sent from God. We understand that. But Jesus seems to be tired of this question that has repeatedly been asked to him. And he's tired of playing this game with them trying to catch him in his words. And so very abruptly, he jumps ahead of Nicodemus. And he says, verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, in one place in this particular passage, it uses the word see. And in another later place, it says to enter the kingdom of God. And someone might say, well, uh, what's the difference? Well, I want to tell you that verses of Scripture like this have deeper meaning than just the superficial meaning that we sometimes use to interpret them. But you cannot see the kingdom of God, not only eternally, you cannot go to heaven and see the kingdom of God in heaven, but you cannot experience and see a lot of things right here on this earth except you be born again of water and of spirit. There's some things you'll never see God do in your life. There's some things you'll never experience in God until you are born again of water and of spirit. When you go down in Jesus' name, you take his name on you. And there's something that happens in your life. And not only do you take his name on you, but from that moment on, you have the power and also the revelation to be able to use and invoke that name. Whenever there is a need in your life, you can call on that name. You can use that name. You have authority in that name because that name is over your life. Hallelujah. You don't have the authority to use the name of Jesus unless you've been baptized in the name of Jesus. You don't have the authority to invoke the power that's in that name unless you've been baptized in that name. I know God honors faith wherever you can find it, but there's something about a child of God that has been baptized in the name of Jesus and has a revelation of the name of Jesus when they pray in that name, when they call on that name when they seek the Lord in that name when they worship come on like we've been doing here this morning that name there's something that happens there's something about those that have a revelation of who he really is Sort of like Jesus said to the lady at the well. He said there's coming a day that they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Amen. He said when when you get an understanding and a revelation of truth, it takes even your worship to another level. It takes, uh, amen, your praise to another level. When you come to come to church and you have an understanding that I'm not just here going through calisthenics. I'm not just here letting off some emotion. But I'm here glorifying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that has all power, all dominion, all authority, the one that heals, the one that saves, the one that cleanses, the one that delivers, the one that redeems. He's in this place and we can call upon and we can worship and we can glorify that holy and righteous name. Somebody ought to do it right now. I said somebody ought to do it right now in this place. He said you got to be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus answered a question. He wasn't necessarily, Nicodemus was not necessarily asking, but it needed to be answered. I said you got to understand what it takes to be saved. The Bible's very clear that this is not a hidden mystery in the word of God. It's very clearly stated that if you want to see the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, you've got to be born again. And it tells us what born again means and it identifies it. It gives us a definition. It says that when you're born again, it's of water and of spirit. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. It was like Jesus was saying, I'm not here to discuss this tired old argument about who I am, but I'm interested in you. I want to know that you understand. I want to know that you know what it takes to be saved. I want to, I'm interested in you finding salvation. I'm interested in you being delivered. I'm interested in you finding out what it takes to see the kingdom of God. You've got to be born again. Amen. I have an answer for every broken person. I have an answer for every hurting person. I have an answer for every lonely person, every burdened person, every dying person. Amen. Every person that's in this room that is addicted, I have an answer. Every person that is in this room that needs peace in your heart, I have an answer. Every person that is lacking joy in your life, thank God we have an answer today. You can be born again of water and a spirit. When you go down in a watery grave in the name of Jesus, you rise to newness of life. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you once were dead and trespasses and sin but he quickens you and fills you with the gift of his spirit and you rise amen to be a new man a new woman a changed individual oh somebody if you've got this experience of the holy ghost would you help me and sound off this morning the answer the answer is being born again of water in a spirit, you'll see things that you've never seen. Really what was happening here is Jesus is using an ancient teaching technique that really predates even Jesus and it's, it's historically used and it's simply this. It's called a misunderstanding. 
the teacher is trying to explain it, maybe difficult concept for the student to understand and the teacher uses a metaphor or a word that can be interpreted in more than just one way and so he'll throw that out there and the student will answer back without it being entirely clear to him or her and that's exactly what Jesus did when he said you must be born again of course, uh, even in the Greek, that, that means just exactly what it says, to be reborn. And you, you know exactly where Nicodemus' mind is going. He, he's thinking about natural things and a natural birth, and even is questioning how this is possible, not realizing there's more than one meaning to what Jesus is saying here, because also... In the Greek, another meaning for this is uh, to be born from above. Amen. He said, except a man be born again, amen, of the water and of the spirit, uh, he cannot see the kingdom unless a man be born from above. In other words, Nicodemus, uh, this is not, uh, this is not just what you are thinking in your natural mind. This is not logically what, what first came to you, but there's a greater explanation here. And I realize that you have come back and asked me, can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter in a second time to his mother's womb? He said, you're misunderstanding me entirely. I want to tell you again, except a man be born again of water and of spirit. It's a spiritual thing that I'm talking about, Nicodemus. Don't be confused. I want to give you this very clearly. I want you to understand it. I want you to be able to explain it yourself. I want to give you a double immersion in this particular subject. And I want you to understand there's more than just one meaning than than, than, than what you're thinking of being born again. You're thinking of the natural. I'm talking about the spiritual. Let me break it down to you. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And I just want to stop right there. Amen. You cannot make something that is flesh spiritual. You can't make something that glorifies flesh spiritual. You can't make pride a spiritual thing. Amen. You cannot take something that is born of the flesh and try to spiritualize it. Jesus clearly said it. If it its origins is the flesh than its flesh. But he said, let me just go a little further and tell you that that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Amen. If it comes from God, then you, amen, it doesn't matter how you try to fight it, resist it, stop it. You can't stop it because it's born of a different origin. This comes from God. This is a spiritual thing that is taking place. 
I don't know about you, but I don't want to just try to have church in the flesh. I don't want to come and preach in the flesh. I don't want to come and sing in the flesh. I don't want it just to be about talent. I don't want it to just be about education. I don't want it just to be about buildings and facilities. That's all born of the flesh. But we need a spiritual move in this house that shakes this place from center to circumference. That when people leave this building, they understand, hey, there's something different. There's something that's happening there. There's a wind that is blowing in that place. It didn't come from man. It's not just because somebody can hit a high note or somebody can play real good or somebody can preach and arouse people. Amen. But that comes from heaven. I felt something in the Holy Ghost. I felt something that's real. I felt something that can't be denied. I felt something that's powerful and life-changing when I came to the house of God. Oh, get your hands in the air and let's worship the Lord a little bit here this morning. Here, here's what I like about this wind that we're talking about. He said that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That's its origin. And he said, let me just tell you something else, Nicodemus, in case you're wondering. He said, you, you belong to those Pharisees. He said, that's kind of a how highbrow religious group of people that think they're really something. And they, they come in their religious robes and, and they kind of look down their nose at the rest of all of us. But let me just tell you something. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. In other words, it'll blow on the rich and the poor. It'll blow on the person that has a pedigree and the person that knows nothing. The person that has a heritage or this is their first service. It doesn't matter, black or white. It blows where it listeth. Amen. Doesn't matter what side of town. Amen. It blows where it listeth. It doesn't matter where you come from. It blows where it listeth. It doesn't matter how bound you were. It blows where it listeth. You can't stop the wind from blowing. Amen. It comes from heaven. And when it breathes and when it blows upon a heart, upon a soul, it doesn't matter where they come from. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter their economic status. It doesn't matter what social group they belong to. It blows where it listed. Somebody ought to worship the Lord. Somebody ought to give some praise to the Lord. He said, thou hearest the sound thereof. Woo. He's telling this all the way back in John 3. But isn't that exactly what happens? Come on. Isn't that exactly what happens in Acts chapter 2 when the day of Pentecost was fully come? They were with, were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound. A sound from heaven. Amen. That sound from heaven. It's still happening today. I'll tell you what it is. When you hear somebody lift up their hair.
sins and begin to worship the Lord after repenting of their sins. And God begins to speak through them in another language. That's a sound from heaven. Man, it wasn't born of flesh because that which is born of flesh is flesh. That's born of spirit. That's what it takes to be born of spirit. When you hear somebody speaking in other tongues, that's a sound that came from heaven said, you hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whether it goeth. For Jesus' time, that was a very true statement when talking about the natural wind. Because science at that time did not understand when the wind began to blow in a natural sense where it was coming from or other than just the direction where it would end up. They know the direction it was blowing, but they didn't know exactly where it would end up or even the cause of it or what made this phenomenon take place. So that was a very true statement. In the physical, though, we now know where the wind comes from and where it goes. If you was to ask a meteorologist, where does the wind come from? And where does the wind go? He would say that the wind comes from a high-pressure place and moves towards a low-pressure atmosphere. Comes from a high-pressure place and moves to a low-pressure atmosphere. Well, man, you don't even have to be called a priest to preach that a little bit. Moves from a high-pressure place to a low pressure atmosphere. Amen. What causes high pressure is heat. And low pressure is a cool place. So it is in the spirit, he says. I'm going to tell you, if we can get the fire, if we can get enough heat, in other words, in this house... Amen. If we can rekindle the flames that the devil has tried to extinguish over the last two years of everything that, that, that people has been going through, we can get that fire blowing. If somebody could get some spiritual bellows and, and start breathing upon those things and giving them the supply of oxygen that they need, I believe there would be a rekindling and a refiring and heat would begin to build up in this house. Amen. And I believe that the heat that begins to flow in this place would create a wind. A wind that would blow from here to the lowest of lows. Amen. It would blow from this place to the coldest and the darkest of our city. It doesn't matter where they've been or what kind of condition that they find themselves in. I believe there's a wind that can be created in this house and God will respond to. Amen. That will move across this city. We'll move in sinners' hearts. We'll We'll move in people's lives. We'll touch folks in this place. I believe something high can move to somewhere low and bring somebody else up. Amen. And help somebody else to get back on their feet. And help somebody else to be restored. And somebody else to find hope. And somebody else to learn what it is to experience the power of the Holy Ghost. 
We have to get the fire back in order for the wind to blow. Amen. We see it in Acts chapter 2 again, verses 1 through 4. The Bible tells us that this happening, amen, this day of Pentecost took place in Jerusalem. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance something high begin to touch somebody low amen a world that was cold and dark a world that was bound a world amen that religiously was bankrupt a world that lived under the suppression of the Roman government a world amen that everything had been turned upside down Jesus said I can move in such a way that I can touch them it doesn't matter how low they are it doesn't matter if they're hungry if they're getting of fire. Amen. If they'll begin to cry out to me, if they'll worship me, I'll move through that place and the wind will begin to blow and touch the hearts of people and the souls of mankind. And when they come out of that upper room, they thought they were drunk. But Peter stood up and said, he said, these are not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that. This is that that was prophesied by the prophet the Joel, that in the last day, saith God, I will pour out, amen, something that has been high is coming to those that are lowly, amen, I'm going to fill them with the Holy Ghost and with power. Oh, come on, stand to your feet, lift up your voice, let's give some praise to the Lord right now. It started in Jerusalem and 3,000 before the day was over received this glorious experience and then it went to Judea and then Samaria and then all over the world and guess what? It's still happening today. It can happen right here in this place this morning. Somebody can receive this glorious gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know what heat is? It's the excitement of molecules in the air. Amen. It's, 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 it's the friction between them that creates heat. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you a little excitement break out around here. I'm sorry if your relationship with God is one of sorrow and one of dread and one that you come to church with a long face and leave in the same condition. I'm sorry if you got a relationship with God that's like that. You'll have to excuse the rest of us. But we're not celebrating a dead God. We're celebrating a resurrected Savior. We're not serving one and worshiping one that's not alive. But we're serving one that is alive and well and still able to but if enough worship and enough glory and praise started breaking out in this house if enough people amen, started leaping for joy if enough people started shouting if enough people started praising God I can't help believe that something high would begin to move to somebody that's low
let the wind would begin to blow through this house. Somebody get your hands in there and feel after it. Somebody get your hands in there and be sensitive to it. Somebody get your hands in there and worship God. Because if I can create a little fire in this place, I know that the wind will begin to blow in this house. Come on, church. We need to raise it up just a notch. We need to raise it up just a level right now. Let the wind blow in this place. Let it blow wherever it listed. Let it blow upon whomever it listed. Let it touch every life. Let it move upon every soul. Let it help every... I want us I want us to keep this intensity. I want us to keep this fervor. That's the only way that what I'm going to do next will even work at all. But I wonder there's somebody that wants the Holy Ghost, never received the Holy Ghost, but you'd like to have it today. I want you to come right down here. We got a place cleaned out for you right here. If you want the Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter if you're a child. Matter if you're Brother Glenn, how old was your mother that received the Holy Ghost this 92 years old? It doesn't matter. The wind blows where it listed. I said the wind blows where it listed. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And then if there's others, maybe it's just been just a long time. I feel like there's probably more in this group. If we could get you just to be real honest about it. That you want to get that fire burning again. Come on now, don't leave me, church. We need your help right here. You want to get that fire burning again. Would you come down here? Would you be so bold? Would you be so honest? Would you be so forthright? Come on, I want you to get in here just as close as you can. Hallelujah, if you want to get that fire burning. Maybe it's been a long time since you've spoken tongues. Maybe it's been a long time since you felt the joy of the Lord. Maybe you've been under a burden. Maybe you've been fearful of some situations in your life. Maybe there's been an attack from the enemy. Whatever it is, come on, I want you to get down here quick and be renewed in the Holy. Some of you brethren, let's pray right now. Let's pray for for these that are here. Amen. These that are desirous. Hallelujah. I believe God is able to do a work. I believe God is able to help us. I believe God is able to let the wind blow in this place this morning.